Stephen Riley, and it is a privilege to have a full-time student, student pastor on staff, and that is your, because of your giving, we were able to do that, make that step of faith, and we are committed to children. Uh, God loves children. He wants us committed to children, and so this is our uh, statement of faith, in our, and it's already changing the nature of our church and will that much more in 2023. Well, I have got um, some things to talk about here before I start my message. Um, I want to say that uh, this time of um, uh, fasting and prayer in January is going to be tremendous. We are going to actually be uh, sending out to you, we might be doing it by video or live stream, a short prayer and scripture focus for the day to keep all of us in those 21 days focused together in prayer. And I'll give some uh, resources out before January 8th on some guidelines about prayer and some cautions and things, some instructions. And again, you can choose whatever kind of fast that is. Some of it might be more social media and technology things that distract you and get you back focused on the Lord. And so we'll deal with that later. But it's, it's just going to be a very unifying time of us seeking God together and God preparing us for the harvest. I want to tell you a little bit more about this uh, Saturday evening service at 5 o'clock on the 24th. We've designed this to be family-friendly, so please invite your uh, neighbors who have children, invite your grandchildren, and we're going to have, uh, there won't be River Kids ministry, but this service, there will be a service that they will enjoy, the Christmas music for worship, then John Connie's going to come down here in front and have about a five-minute teaching and sharing with children. Uh, then Philip Whitehead will be the first speaker. Brandon Watkins will be the second uh, speaker. And then within the hour, we'll uh, go right into uh, having a couple of kids, and, and, and I will help them, and we'll do the candle lighting at the end. And children love candle lighting. I love the candle lighting. <laughs> you know, it's just enjoyable. It's meaningful. And want to encourage you to be here, but also to invite families to come as well. They're going to really love it. I want to go ahead and, and uh, have some fun here, the opening of my message. And I've got some uh, Santa Claus uh, uh, cartoons to put up on the uh, overhead here. I think Santa Claus does get into some uh, pretty difficult situations and uh, let's look at the first one here. Naughty or nice? Huh? Stop judging me. He must get that a lot. Here you go. He's sitting in jail. They got me for trespassing grand theft cookie and trafficking Xboxes across the state lines. What a guy. Here he is stepping in an outhouse, had no idea that was the last year Santa would forget to bring his glasses. And I've been there before. Yeah, I forget my glasses. <laughs> And I do things I really regret. How Santa really finds out which reindeer can fly. <laughs> Dang, let's try another one. Woo! This really explains a lot for me, some history of how things developed. And uh, I used to rap, too, but this is so much easier. And uh, if I'm rapping, I definitely go for the box uh, option there. Uh, but kids love ripping it open, don't they? It's so much fun. Here's one I think is very true. It's hard to buy your husband something for Christmas when he got everything when he married you. Yes. 
And that's the truth. That is the way it is. You gals are beautiful. You're amazing. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're, we're good. We're done. We're, we don't need anything else. All right, thank you for letting me do that. I appreciate it. This time of season, as I've been uh, studying the Word uh, in the Incarnation, is there are a lot of firsts. Last Sunday, we talked about the first miracle. We talked about the first sacrifice, as we often think of Jesus on the cross, but it was really Jesus leaving heaven was the first sacrifice and became a man. Uh, and uh, what, what humility that took uh, to leave the glories of heaven. And there, I'm finding there are just so many firsts uh, in this story. And one reason is because uh, at the, the last book of the Bible of the Old Testament is called Malachi, a prophet called Malachi. And then there is this intertestamental, intertestamental time of 400 years of silence before the Gospels came and Jesus came. So 400 years of silence where God's people didn't have any recorded uh, miracles from God, any recorded where God came down on a person and, 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 or an army and gave them victory, or that a prophet was uh, speaking and, and warning and bringing people back to God, uh, where there was, there was just the absence of prophecy, and that's what these uh, major and minor prophets in the Old Testament were. And so this silence gave 400 years of increased discouragement, darkness, hopelessness where people were either very hungry and desperate for God, or many just gave up and were discouraged and said, well, God just is not showing up anymore, and gave the the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, a place of desperation before God. It was already bad in Malachi's day, and it must have just gotten worse. In, uh, and I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures there. So if you want to go ahead and turn to Malachi, uh, it's the last book of the Old Testament before you start the New Testament. And Malachi was having to confront a lot of sins. And he had to deal with the priests themselves. They were some of the worst. They were hypocritical. They didn't care about gods of how uh, to worship. And they were just doing it their own way, lack- lackadaisically. Uh, there was... Incredible family breakdown at the time. There were men getting divorced with their wives for no real reason. It was damaging to children. And the people were not giving tithes and offerings faithfully. So it was bad at that time. And then God didn't speak for 400 years. So it was a rough time to live in Israel and to call yourselves the people of God who God hadn't forgotten, but God speaks and leads, and they were struggling with that. In the midst of this little uh, prophetic letter, this little prophetic book, there's a couple of scriptures that point to John the Baptist and Jesus. And so in the midst of hard and terrible times, folks, God is speaking, God is pointing. And so Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, says this. Behold, I send my messenger 
and he will prepare the way before me. That's John the Baptist who's going to come. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So that's also then talking about Jesus coming. So he's confronting them for their current sins. It's going to get worse and darker and more hopeless. And yet he's pointing them with a promise to the future. Let's go on to uh, Malachi there, flip a few pages to chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. These are the last two verses of the Old Testament. What does God say before he stops speaking for 400 years? He says this, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Again, that's, that is... Elijah is, John the Baptist was known to come in the spirit of Elijah, so he's referring to John the Baptist coming, before the Messiah comes, that great and terrible day of of Messiah coming. Next verse, verse 6. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. And this has different, different levels to it. Practically speaking, a land, a community, a city, an urban area, a nation is cursed when there is a brokenness between fathers and children. We call it fatherlessness, and we know it, we feel it, we see it around in our family and loved ones and friends. We see it in, uh, in, in, in depending on different communities and neighborhoods, it can be even worse and devastating. And statistics are out there, and it's frightening. Fatherlessness is frightening what it does to a people and to a community. We're going to dig in this a little bit deeper uh, in January when we talk about discipleship and how this relational dynamic is so critical because of this reality right here. But he's speaking about John the Baptist. This is going to be one of the... uh, the attributes, the, the characteristics of John the Baptist's ministry is restoring the generations, those who know the Lord and those who don't, those who are younger to those who are older, and in immediate families even, the parents to the children and then the children to the parents. I want to, us to now uh, go to Luke chapter 1. And I'm actually going to uh, just talk about... Um, Uh, and not actually read Scripture, but refer to uh, the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And that's going to prepare us for Mary in her song that she gives to the Lord. But a quick little lesson from what we just saw in Malachi. It's this. When things are bad, they may get worse. But God's promises are still true, and He will fulfill them. So stand firm and keep believing. Because in the midst of that horrible dark time, there were promises, and God was pointing them to the promise. Don't give up, keep believing. So who is Zacharias? He is an an old guy priest. He's going to retire soon from the priesthood. His wife, Elizabeth, they're both a godly couple, loved the Lord all their lives, but they never could have children. And that had to be over the many years of trying and so forth, had been very discouraging. And um, and here he is, he's just doing his 
his thing. And he's called, as they were kind of chosen by Lot, to be in the, uh, uh, the temple. And he's burning incense. There's a sacrifice of incense of prayers to the Lord. And, and so he's in there and he gets a surprise visit, visit from the angel Gabriel. Gabriel is one of the archangels. He's the one that usually has a message for people. The archangel Michael is the one who usually has a victory of military power over evil and demons. And so here's Gabriel appears to him and he goes into this how uh, his wife is going to get pregnant and and how uh, God is going to bless uh, their marriage like that. And he goes into uh, that, that their son is to be named John, and he's going to prepare the way, just like it says in Malachi, uh, for uh, the coming Messiah who's going to come. And Zacharias said, well, now how can this be? And I'm advanced in years, you know, beyond... And she's beyond childbearing years. And, and the angel Gabriel actually got frustrated and said, Do you not know who I am? I'm Gabriel. Gabriel, I came from the throne of God. And so you're going to be mute. You're not going to be able to speak until all this gets uh, uh, fulfilled. And that's a good nine months from now. You're not going to be able to speak. And sure enough, he comes out of that temple and he's trying to describe people what happened. They see that he is like really freaking out. Something really did happen. And I want to go into that story because I want to say that that Mary's encounter was different. In only one way. It was Gabriel came to visit her. We read this in Luke 1 starting at verse 26 last week. Gabriel came to her, told her, that uh, you know that God was going to give her a miracle baby it was going to not it was going to be from the Holy Spirit, and then she asked this same question: Well, how can this be? I'm a virgin, and something was different because Gabriel didn't get frustrated with her, and he just explains it: Oh, this is going to be by the Holy Spirit, and you are blessed, and you're favored, and. And in these last couple of sentences that the angel gives is in Luke chapter 1, verse 36. And he says this, Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I think it's amazing that Mary was so humble, so authentic, and said, hey, I am, I'm your servant, and may your will be done. What you've said, may it happen in my life. I am submitted. I am willing. Yes, sir, I am all in. And the angel didn't say anything back. That was such an amazing, obedient, favorable response. The angel just all right, we're good. And so her response was different. And we're going to find, again, as we go on in these passages, it's going to become more glaring why it's so different. I think of one part about this uh, story is amazing, is that it really exalts the marriage of uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. And they become a mentor uh, in spiritual parents, per se, 
to Mary during this stressful time because uh, the, the next verse in 39, she just hurriedly, she gets her things and she bolts for on a three to five day journey to go visit Elizabeth. And that helps her, this young to-be bride, and then all the help that they must have given this young couple. And I want to just say, just as, uh, as a, a, a little tangent, but one just to be aware of 2023, it could get interesting for religious nonprofit organizations in 2023 and those who honor the biblical marriage of man and woman. Because our federal government and our president signed it on Tuesday, signed uh, a, what they call Respect for Marriage Act. What it's doing, unfortunately, and again, we have to wait and see. I hope this doesn't happen. But it actually opens the door for Christian uh, uh, schools, uh, nonprofit organizations that, that, that do outreaches that are religious, um, churches, Christian business owners to be open for accusation of attacks if they are, uh, have convictions about defining marriage between a man and a woman. And there could be attacks on the, uh, attack on the tax status of churches and other things. There could be um, uh, uh, suits for discrimination called sex discrimination, like it would be racial discrimination. And so we're in a place where God uh, has blessings on marriage the marriage that he created, the marriage that has been uh, blessed from centuries on centuries in every culture, and it, it could be seriously uh, a, a space in our country where we will be having to fight just to keep our conviction uh, uh, that God created a man and woman to be married. And so I say that to let's keep our faith and hope in the future that our future is good and God is with us. So what happens in verse 39? Uh, Mary is, let me think this through for minutes, folks. How does she go and tell Joseph, her fiancé, what has just happened? How does, she, how does she go back to her hometown and explain and watch her pregnancy and, and she get uh, showing after a number of months? How does she tell her mom and dad? And the angel gave her the clue. You start with Elizabeth. In fact, right now, I've already done a miracle baby for Elizabeth. She's six months pregnant, and that was the clue for her to drop everything and bolt to her uh, to Gabriel in Elizabeth's hometown. Let's read about it, starting at verse 39. Now Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. The work of the Holy Spirit among babies in a womb. Now, it was said of John the Baptist that he would have the Holy Spirit even in the womb, and this is evidence of it that this little guy is since six months pregnant, and he sensed by the Spirit that, that someone has just approached him. And then listen to what Mary, I mean Elizabeth says. 42, Then Elizabeth spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, 
and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting uh, sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Folks, this is the first prophecy. Zacharias had the first angelic visitation for 400 years. Mary had the second visitation. This is the first prophecy in 400 years where someone didn't know what was going on. God told her and even spoke about it in the future. She said, you are blessed because you're pregnant. Nobody knew she was pregnant. Elizabeth didn't know she was pregnant, but the Spirit of God told her. And then she said, you know, why have the mother of my Lord come to me? So she's saying, not only are you pregnant, but this is the Messiah, our Savior and Lord in you right now. This is all given to her prophetically, the first prophet given to Elizabeth. One of the most discouraged women in the community. She was barren. She hadn't had a child. And here she's chosen as the one to have a miracle baby, John the Baptist, and to give. Jesus was in the business of honoring women. When he returned uh, after the resurrection, he, what did he do? He uh, appeared to women first. Jesus was into that. God was into that. Verse 45, blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So she got as part of this prophecy to confirm to Mary and encourage her and say, oh, wow, you believed in this, this, you know, unbelievable miracle that has happened to you and the fulfillment of things that we're told that you believe that it's happened and it's going to be completely fulfilled. He's going to be the Messiah. And so, folks, we need to, if we take something away from Mary, it's she was a young woman that believed. Let her faith inspire us. She even did Zacharias, who was an experienced priest, and and she was the one that was her faith and belief was seen and recognized. We're to go in now into the what they call Mary's song. It's often called the Magnificat because of the Latin word uh, to glorify or magnify the Lord. And it is a powerful statement. We're going to learn some things from what Mary says next. We're going to learn some things. And I, I want to say it's kind of like uh, you have at Christmas time, you know, a movie you've got to watch or just your, your, your Christmas is not complete. And uh, this Mary song is kind of like there, there's, there's some Christmas songs that are like that. For, for me, for, for the movie, it's, it's a wonderful life. I mean, that movie always touches me and, you know, how many times I've seen it, I, I don't know. But it just always does. I like seeing that movie. And there's certain Christmas songs. I, I love so many of them. I started be, right before Thanksgiving with all the family coming in and listening to Christmas songs. Uh, one that I had to listen to last night, and you've got it. Mary, did you know? 
that your baby boy. You know, you know that song. That's one you got to listen to every Christmas, isn't it? And as I got into this message, I had to play it uh, last night. No, I'm not going to sing it. I know you really want me to, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I did find a new version of it I hadn't seen before, recorded last year by Maverick City. And they have a choir behind them, and it is rocking, let me tell you. Very powerful. Before I read this song, I want to, I want to say that what's happening right now to Mary is preparing her for the future. She's going to be here with uh, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth for three months, and then she's going home. She's going to have to face Joseph. She's going to have to face her parents. She's going to have to face the community. And these are serious things that could happen for a young woman to uh, commit adultery like that. She could end up be in being stoned, if not in a sense, uh, you know, ashamed so much like a scarlet letter. Joseph, we read in the book of Matthew, had planned as a good man to just divorce her quietly, it said, just discreetly kind of let this, you know, get her, her away by herself so that she didn't get a lot of shame, go ahead and divorce. And they used the word divorce because for them, the engagement was a covenant. Uh, they weren't living together, they weren't sleeping together, anything like that, but uh, it was a, uh, a divorce, and so he was just going to try to protect her from getting, uh, you know, really, really... Um, uh, you know, punished by the community and we're going to just do it quietly and try to protect her that way, but leave her. But he had a dream and God spoke to him, no, this is of me and you're to name him Jesus. And, and I don't know, we don't have a record, what about the parents? You know, did anyone, did the Lord show the parents? I don't think so. I think they had to take either Mary's word or, or, or Elizabeth's word or Joseph's word after he had the dream and the community, would they believe any of it? Uh, and she really could have, her life could have been at risk. Her safety was at risk. She had to face that. These things are happening, we're reading about right now, are to set her and prepare her for that journey back home. Let's look at this amazing, uh, they call it Mary's song, starting in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded my lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. And as a young Jewish girl and being able to actually be the mother of the Messiah, that's, that was a, a dream uh, beyond imagination that people would call her blessed. This is not licensed to... Um, pray to Mary or worship Mary. I know that's the practice of many Catholics. And, you know, I, I haven't found a place in Scripture that gives us instructions to do that. And so I don't feel comfortable with that. Uh, yes, she is, Mary is blessed. But even this, she's calling Jesus uh, and God is my Savior. So she needed a Savior. She needed uh, salvation just like you and me. Let's go on, verse 49 and 50. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. 
and His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. So she goes into a praise and thanksgiving. She has a heart to believe, and now she's giving praise to God for what He's done and that she has God a Savior even through Jesus. So she's looking at the future and looking at the present. This verse 50 that I just read is one of two places where God's mercy is spoken about. And His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. Lord, we thank You for mercy for our generation. Oh, how we we needed it. Lord, our children need Your mercy. Our children's children. Go on in the next generations. Lord, our children need mercy as bad as we do. Thank You, Lord God that you have mercy. Verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. Here is this list of what God does in his almighty power. He is strong There is no one stronger than him or mightier than him. And so what does he do? Those who are proud in their innermost thoughts, in their imaginations of their hearts, he and and then he describes what that can look like. Those who sit on mighty and throne, who are on thrones of power, of authority, and they are not humble. Well, that's an example of God's power is greater than their power, and He scatters them. Uh, those who are rich and look to their richness to give them their value, their worth, and that they have pride because of it. No, listen, you have no wealth compared to the wealth of our God. And God uh, has a way to fill the hungry with good things, and He sends the rich empty Because he doesn't want them to get filled with their riches. I've got to work harder. I've got to make more money. I need that promotion. I've got to buy that thing and that bigger house. God doesn't want them to have a a sense of being fulfilled and filled up with meaning because of all these things. These are blessings and tools to be a blessing, but they aren't meaning and fulfillment. God is looking for the humble, the lowly, and He exalts them. Let's go on and say in verse 54, God has helped His servant, Israel, in remembrance of His mercy, as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to His seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. So when God says that He has helped His servant, Israel, That is Israel, the nation of Israel. That's the people of Israel. And because we believe in this Messiah who was sent to the whole world, we get to step in and receive the promises that Israel is promised to receive. And so God calls Himself a helper to us, His servants. How many of you need help today? So let me go back to the lesson from Malachi that we see now happening in Mary's life. 
when things are bad, they may get worse. But God's promises are still true, and He will fulfill them. So stand firm and keep believing. Mary needed this time because it was going to get worse. It, life in confusion and the community, the public, the shame, it was going to be some challenges ahead. And one aspect about looking into the future is fear of the unknown. Thank God that God connected her and Elizabeth together for those three months. But nobody had ever walked the path that Mary had walked before this or will since. And so she had an unknown about the future, and she needed God to prepare her and say, listen, don't worry, it might feel like it's getting worse, but I have promises for you, Mary, that are true, and they will be, they will be fulfilled, and you're going to go forth, stand firm, keep believing. What is going on in your life right now? Have you had a season of of feel like it's 400 years of silence or things getting worse? I'd love to tell you that, oh, it's not going to get worse from this day on and, and God can do that kind of breakthrough. But it could get even more worse. But God has been speaking promises to you about that situation, that relationship, that loved one already. God is mighty. God is holy. He is at work today. He was at work in the past today. And his promises say he is working in the future to fulfill those promises. Stand firm and keep believing. I'm going to ask the uh, praise team to go ahead and come up. And and I'm going to ask the altar ministry teams to go ahead and come up and just be available as well. There are a handful of things I want you to take from this Mary song into this situation that you're looking at right now. Number one is believe Him, believe God. Because God was working, is working, and will continue to work. Be like a Mary. She was chosen because it was amazing that she believed what God was doing in her. She accepted and and believed Lord, and yes, do all according to your will. Number two, praise Him. Find reasons and ways to praise Him now. Praise Him in advance. Elizabeth was looking toward the future. This is my Lord that's who's in you. You've believed in all that God has said to you. It will come about. uh, Praise can be thanking Him in advance for what He's doing Number three, receive His mercy. His mercy extends to you, your children. And in these situations, God is pouring out mercy. Number four, He scatters the proud and fills the humble. Yes, there are are, uh, demonic attacks on our lives. There might even be people of ill intention... Uh, coming after you that have demons oppressing them. But God scatters our enemies and He fills the humble with this belief, this faith, this praise. He's going to fill you with mercy. 
And then this passage mentions mercy again. Number five, help through mercy. We're his servant who fear him and trust him. Let's go ahead and and seek the Lord again and ask him to build our faith. Because I want to tell you folks, Mary saw that God is almighty. God is holy. He is merciful. He has more than enough. He has strength. He wants to help you. And the promises of God's word are for you. He is more than enough. He is all that you need. He came as a beautiful baby and he's also the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is a day to believe in God and let the unknowns of the future be filled with your praise that God has promises, that he's working in your life and family. This is a day to say, yes, Lord, I can trust you. I can continue to believe in you. Let's keep seeking Him in this song and be encouraged some more.
whatever you are in the midst of right now, you have Jesus Christ. There's nothing that's better than Him. And looking into tomorrow, next week, next year, you have Him and His promises. I am going to go ahead and uh, speak over you the ironic blessing. It's one where God instructed the spiritual leaders. There's some uh, reverb or some feedback here going on. And I'm going to speak this over you because I don't know when I'll see you next. And many of us have family gatherings and going out of town and traveling. So I'm going to go ahead and just speak this over you and your family, your friends. It is God's good will for us and His intention to bless us. So receive this blessing from the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace, His shalom. Everything as it really ought to be. Nothing missing, nothing broken. May you put your full weight down and rest in the hammock of His smile of approval of you. For in Christ Jesus, you are proved, you are accepted, you are loved. May you walk under the warmth of His presence and hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. You are blessed in order to be a blessing. Thank you, Lord, that we're going to be blessed going into our uh, gatherings as friends and family. Lord, thank you that we walk under the warmth of your presence. And thank you, Lord, that you are gracious to us and our families. We expect mercy. We expect uh, good things and blessings from heaven. Thank you, Lord, that your peace is beyond understanding. It's a supernatural peace. And we receive it and walk in it going in to this Christmas season, the new year. Lord God, all of it, Lord God, we say, yes, Lord. You are blessing us with your goodness, grace, and mercy and the promises of God. You're encouraged to stay in worship some more. What a great worship song. You're encouraged to hang around in the gathering place, get some pictures together at the photo booth. But God is good. He loves you. Be blessed. Holiday season. You turn morning to dancing.